This was not just extreme carelessness with classified material. This is calculated, deliberate, premeditated misconduct, followed by a cover-up that included false statements and lies to Congress, the media, and the American people. Okay, this is Fusebox number 204, Prophet of Lies, and you are seriously overdrawn at the honesty bank. Yeah, you know, there might be some regulatory fees and other penalties for such behavior. As a matter of fact, there might even be... Just saying. Greetings, friends, and uh, welcome in to this, the 204th edition of Fusebox, frugally entitled The Prophet of Lies. And yes, that's right, we're doing that too. You know, you're doing that <laughs> spelling thing again, bro. They gotta see it to hear it, you know? <laughs> yeah, so true, so true. Actually, just like in real life. Whatever the hell that means. <laughs> uh, friends, <clears throat> I'm your stealing the evidence, but only to conduct my own investigation host. Mark Rose and over there, behind a wall of glowing tubes and the stench from a leftover fog machine from an abandoned Black Oak, Arkansas tour bus is the Grand Vizier of the Volume Pot. Milk canes, everybody. Uh, thank you kindly. <laughs> and uh, be careful what you say in the past, because uh, it might just come back in the present and bite you squarely on your ass. <laughs> Truer words? We're never said, uh, Mr. Keynes, uh, referring to our opening clip there, we're in... Uh, all his pious glee, the orange guy poots forth all the downright evil things that all those nasty Democrats are doing with all those classified documents back in the year 2016. Yeah, payback is a bitch, bro. It sure is. And you know what? In spite of that, his defenders rally as if on cue. You know, like uh, Steve Bannon said on his podcast, quote, we need to choke down the FBI. Marjorie Taylor Greene, not to be outdone, called for the entire Department of Justice to be defunded. <laughs> Pro-Trump social media forums called for a, quote, civil war and told users to, quote, lock and load. And last, and certainly at the end here, Kevin McCarthy, who, as we know, might, could, perhaps become uh, the Speaker of the House if uh, Republicans win uh, midterm elections. Insert shudder here. He's looking for a deep-dive investigation into the Justice Department. And if hell freezes over and he gets control of the House... Yeah, well, uh, the lakes of fire seem to be icing over, bro. So uh, let's do our part and uh, vote. To keep hell burning bright. <laughs> Amen, Mr. Keynes. It's a crazier than usual time, and friends, my humble prediction is that it's not going to get less crazy as we go forward. It would seem to me to be 
<laughs> at least a sensible notion, to uh, ramp this nutso energy down however we can. Yeah, great suggestion, man. I, I don't think they have the slightest intention of doing that, though. Yeah, yeah, I can see why you'd uh, think that, Mr. Keynes. But you know what? I have noticed a very, very slight splintering among some of the GOP members that seem to uh, signal a reluctance, at least, to be counted among the devotees of uh, dismantling the FBI, for instance, realizing that that might not be the best political strategy for the longer term. Yeah, you know, I see that. But you know what? There is actually a good reason to look at doing that very thing, bro. Well, do tell, Mr. Keynes. Yeah, and it has nothing to do with that bloated orange con man. Uh, good. No, it really goes back uh, decades. You know, the, the FBI and other agencies have been used forever as, like, political hammers for whatever party was in charge. I mean... Herbert Hoover is an obvious example, right? Well, we know he had an agenda, all right. So, well, sometimes it was his own agenda. It would turn out later. Uh... Sure. And other times, whatever party was in charge, they could skew the agency in their favor. Yeah. Now, here, 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 listen to this. This guy uh, uh, is a sociology professor. His name's Alex Vitale. And he's also the coordinator of the uh, Policing and Social Justice Project at Brooklyn College. He's talking here about how the current GOP views the agency. All righty. It's not the neutral professional enforcement of the law that they often claim. It's actually a political tool. The, the difference here is that they think that it's a political tool that should be used on their behalf. And they're really upset to see law enforcement being used against so-called, you know, God-fearing, patriarchal white nationalists, as opposed to using those forces against immigrant communities, communities of color, uh, uh, sex workers, and of course the political left. And so we're, it's a kind of a repeat of January 6th where we saw, you know, uh, back the blue flags being used to beat uh, local police. Okay, that's interesting. So in a kind of sick with a little twisted on the side sort of a way, are they trying to uh, uh, align themselves with the progressives? See, that's that's kind of what it looks like, right? But but no. And our buddy Alex here, he has a thought or nine about that very thing. Check it out. No, not at all. I, this is not about trying to build an alliance across the ideological divide. Uh, when people talk about defunding the police on the left, they mean something radically different. I think what the right intends here is not to reduce the power of the FBI, but merely to change the leadership so that it is more politically compliant with a far-right agenda. Oh, okay. Okay, I see what you're saying, I think. Because really, it does look kind of weird from the outside. Yeah, because when the professor here is talking about historical evidence... Yeah, something we don't seem to get a lot of from the Orange Coalition. <laughs> Fuck no. You get batshit crazy conspiracies. So, so crazy, even I don't buy into them, bro. <laughs> so, so here's a little history lesson that uh, most of us have witnessed firsthand. Under Trump and, and many past presidents, we've seen the FBI used as a tool 
to gin up fear on crime, to demonize political enemies through things like the war on drugs, even the war on terror. And most recently with the Trump administration, right as he went into election mode, he tried to capitalize on fear of crime by creating Operation Relentless Pursuit that targeted exclusively Democratic cities for intensive flooding of federal agents, more money for local police, more intensive federal prosecutions of basically street crime in a way that was designed to try to say, look, the problems of urban America are not disinvestment, deindustrialization, racial uh, segregation of housing. No, the problems of urban America, of democratic cities is too much crime and the solution to that is more policing. And that was a political project and residents in most of these cities that were targeted uh, immediately organized against this initiative and said what they need is investments in housing, stable employment, high quality health care, not more federal policing. Well, that just actually makes a whole lot of sense. Um, yeah, I think the guy's spot on. I mean, we're all getting stoked up about the search warrant thing, and you know, rightly so. This guy has more skeletons in his closet than a graveyard, but let's keep this thing in perspective, too. Wait a minute. You mean we just can't... No, man. You left out the piano. Oh, poor thing. The show for everybody. But not everybody will like it. TheFuseBuckShow.com and we are back, bro. Splendid. Splendid. So, friends, on our last program, number uh, 203, entitled Web of Deceit, we were talking about the, the whole naming fiasco surrounding the James Webb Space Telescope thing and uh, how that naming convention went somehow suddenly autocratic rather than the uh, extremely well-established democratic process it had... Uh, allowed for decades before, you know, like naming the thing based on public suggestions and the like. Yeah, it's kind of like the shape of our current world, too. <laughs> well, one could make a case for that, Mr. Keynes. Uh, well, uh, there was a rather interesting development in that situation, albeit not related in any way to the uh, naming protocols or the dubious history of the aforementioned Mr. Webb, but this... A rather renowned physicist by the name of Etienne Klein posted a tweet containing a uh, photograph credited to the most recent snaps sent back from the uh, James Webb Space Telescope. Uh, Klein said in his uh, post there, Photo of Proxima Centauri, the closest star to the sun, located 4.2 light years from us. She was taken by the JWST, this level of detail, a new world, is revealed day after day. Now, the uh, picture shows a, your typical uh, circular shot of what uh, basically appears to be like a reddish object with a sort of mottled texture, not, not unlike uh, Jupiter or something like that. And uh, his, ca his colleagues were, were just dazzled. Uh, one said, the last photo of Proxima Centauri was this, and he posted this uh, photo of, of the distant star. It was all blurry and fuzzy and all that. And he says, uh, this is a huge step forward. And then they went... Uh, 
bro, is this a shock? Uh, yes. Yes, Mr. Keynes, that is the, uh, that is the shot in question. Well, uh, this looks... Hold it right there, Mr. Keynes, you're about to step in the ointment. Oh, roger that. Okay, so, this finding had Mr. Uh, Klein's Twitter feed a buzz with excitement. (laughs) Until one sharp-eyed Twitter user could see straight through the joke and said, Fake. It's a slice of chorizo. Exactly. Well, I, I didn't know it was a ch- whatever the hell you just said, but it looked like a slice of sausage close up and, and kind of blurry. <laughs> Which is precisely what it was. Etienne Klein was uh, eventually forced to apologize after the joke, claiming that, quote, no object belonging to Spanish charcuterie exists anywhere but on Earth. Now, of course, not everyone, sadly, saw the funny in this thing. As another user tweeted, Coming from a scientific research director, it's quite inappropriate to share this type of thing without specifying from the first tweet that it is false information when you know the speed of which a false information spreads. And to that, I say fuck them if they can't take a joke. <laughs> Good day to you, sir. Good day, I say. <laughs> <laughs> so, so this prompted Klein to uh, issue his apology to his 89,000 followers, and he tweeted... In view of some comments, I feel compelled to clarify that this tweet showing an alleged snapshot of Proxima Centauri was a form of amusement. Let us learn to be wary of arguments from authority as much as of the spontaneous eloquence of certain images. I come to present my apologies to those who may have been shocked by my prank, which had nothing original about it. Yeah, yeah, sorry he has such a gang of humorless followers. Uh, They're going to hate the fact that the moon is hollow and very probably made of metal. You're going to leave that right there, are (laughs) you? Right on that very spot, friends. You know, (laughs) uh, (laughs) let me attempt to turn this burning VW camper bus around and... uh, well, it, it it does have to do with science. Oh, that, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, Mr. Keynes, I'm making a con- Mr. Keynes, I'm making a concerted effort to deftly merge the tattered fringes of this segue into a tapestry of uh, exotic and ornate threads with dozens of complex weaves. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think you dropped a stitcher nine, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Be that as it wasn't. (laughs) Well, I was, well, hell, Milt, we were having this discussion uh, in in the break room the other day. And uh, it turned into a great conversation. Oh, oh, yeah, you you mean that whole uh, prancing ping pong. uh... (laughs) Well, (laughs) dancing wooly masters was the. Yeah, that. Yeah, okay. Yeah. 
Well, we were talking about this book that uh, was recommended to me by a colleague many, many, many years ago um, called... Now, wait a minute. This was before the invention of candles, right? Not that far back, Mr. Keynes, really. The book was written by a renowned quantum physicist named uh, Gary Zukoff. And the book is uh, entitled, uh, as I said, The Dancing Wooly Masters. And it's a rather historic tome now, but uh, at the time it had just come out and... My friend said, hey, you would really dig this. Here, read it. You're going to love this. Naturally, you said, as soon as I'm done ironing my sock drawer. As you do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I respected the guy's taste in things. So I said, yeah, sure, sure. Let me give it a go. What the heck? So uh, I'm reading along. And at one point, I realize that this, uh, this is getting rather dense. It's, 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 the, it's the history of quantum physics. Now, I'm, I'm kind of interested, but uh, this is a kind of deep dive that seemed to me, at least at the time, to be far more appropriate for uh, maybe a student of physics. But I'm reading along and reading along and then again and more reading along, and I'm getting actually a bit irritated by, uh, by about the halfway point in this tome and, and wondering if my friend was just playing some kind of sick joke because... As somewhat interesting as this uh, historical reference material is, there are sock drawers to iron, and, and a list as long as my left arm of, of grade Z features just sitting over there on the shelf. And you know what? And they're not going to watch themselves. Or will they? So I'm just about to pick up the phone. That's right. The hard wired landline phone just about to pick up the phone and call my friend when upon turning the page the direction of this book completely changed going from what i can only call real hardcore science to hardcore zen and uh, is that when you saw the face of dog a true rapturous experience mr keynes Seriously, what had happened, and, and, and very cleverly done by Mr. Zukov, whether this was his intention or not, was that the first third, or maybe a little better of this book, gave you a pretty firm foundation, uh, truly without revealing where he was headed in this thing, for the historical footings of quantum physics, so that when you got to this next section, your mind could be fully blown as... Uh, he proceeds to illustrate, uh, beautifully, I might add, where quantum physics and the truest forms of spirituality actually meet and not collide. Right, right. And, and uh, you, you were talking about uh, some other guy who came uh, came first. Who? Uh, oh, yeah, that, that, that's uh, Friedrich Capra who wrote The Tao of Physics. Yeah, yeah. Again, another masterwork in this uh, realm where the conceptual and theoretical ideas of physics meet head-on with a, a, a lot of Eastern uh, mysticism. Yeah, and, and then I think we got off on uh, something about the, the power of thought right. and all this uh, manifesting stuff people are always talking about. And then I said something about how I've always hated the word hope. Right, right, right. And, and that's where we got into, I think, uh, a rather interesting discussion and uh, dissection of the words hope 
versus faith. Now for me, now I'm just talking about me now. No reason to get your collective boxers in a wad, unless you're into that sort of thing. <laughs> I always thought the word hope was limp. It wasn't compelling or whatever you want to call it. It just, it just didn't fill me with a desire to do, well, anything. Just be passive and wait for something. And that's, and that's uh, kind of when I mentioned that uh, for me, and again, again, no religious tendrils connected to this idea, the word faith has a lot more power connected to it as it's uh, proactive rather than passive. Yeah. Still feels a little churchy to me, but... Uh, well, yeah. I mean, faith makes a statement that is actually positive. It says there's, there's no doubt in this equation, that a certain outcome is inevitable. Well, hell, kind of like our buddy Pollard would say about that uh, mindset of an athlete. Yeah, he would. You have to have 100% certainty about your performance. No, no doubt in your mind at all. 100% faith in your abilities. Yeah, so when I hear people say, well, you know, we hope for the best, all I see is them laying down in the street Waiting to be run over by a bus, kind of like Arnie here. Well, we'll just hope for the best. Hope springs eternal. I'll just lay down here. I'll just lay here in the road. Ah, that's nice. Yeah, you see? I'll just wait. Huh? What's that over there? No, see, that's... That right there is... Uh, It's kind of a graphic depiction there, Mr. Keynes. Uh, but I, I see where you go. Uh, where you're going. Uh, it, it's, it's a passive directive. It's also about the energy that a word creates, right? Which uh, relates back to that uh, quantum physics stuff. They explore areas of science that are very uh, theoretical and uh, abstract, mystical, even some might say. But uh, as they go deeper into these areas, they find that the, there is uh, indeed something linking the seemingly intangible to the quite tangible, uh, elusive as it might be at times. Well, and hey, I'm no physicist, but even I've heard of that test they did where they uh, observed a particle change direction because it was being observed and did something completely different when nobody was looking directly. Right, absolutely, yeah. And they uh, they call that the observance effect. Yeah, yeah. This is usually defined by uh, uh, a certain measurable change that happens when a, uh, when a measuring device tries to measure uh, a certain outcome. Yeah, now, and didn't you say something about uh, science was only as good as the... Uh, well, yeah, my point was that some, some uh, unfortunately, uh, rather adamant believers won't accept the idea that the scientific findings on whatever the hell it is yeah. are only as good as the tools they have to measure it with, right? I mean, if your tools aren't even aware that a certain phenomena exists, how can you measure it or be so damn sure it doesn't exist? Yeah. Is your brain hurting yet? Uh, no, actually. I mean, it, it's like what we were talking about before. Yeah. I don't believe for one damn minute that this is it. And by this, I mean life or, or, or a lifetime. Right. 
There have been way too many cultures that have done some pretty spooky things in the past that have you scratching your head about a lot of what we take for granted as being real. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, just speaking economically, if my whole notion for creating something was as elaborate as this life experience thing is, I don't think I'd close the whole thing down after one ride. You know? Are you talking about reincarnation? Well, kind of. I mean, those quantum guys always are going on about the fact that energy cannot be, quote, uh, uncreated. Right. That it continues. If that's so, then maybe consciousness, which we could say is an energy, right? Many do say that, Dr. Keynes. Well, well, then what's to say that uh, that consciousness doesn't also continue? Maybe into another experience altogether. Well, and, and let me add to that, that there's nothing to say that we need to revisit here, this current life experience, at all, right? Well, yeah. As, as we're, uh, we're being informed every day, there are myriad worlds, dimensions, timelines, whatever you want to call it, and, and uh, energy knows no boundaries until contained. So, anything, anywhere, anytime, for no reason at all. To paraphrase the patron saint of Fusebox, Frank Zappa. You just had to get him in there, didn't you? (laughs) Always, Mr. Keynes. Always. (laughs) And with that esoteric exit uh, strategy... Uh, We shall call it a show, but not before thanking uh, our contributor to this edition of the show, Enrique Andrada, for exquisite ID-ifications. Thanks as well to the interdenominational man of mystery, Milt Keynes over there, (laughs) for technical assistance and so forth, and so on. A pleasure as always, and uh, let me give a shout-out to the folks at uh, Democracy Now! use of those clips of Professor Alex Vitale. Here, here. You can see and hear the whole damn interview if you uh, follow the link in the show notes there. Indeed you can, and may we suggest, as we are wont to do, that you join the expectant crowd growing now, friends, and become a Patreon member to help support all the fine humanitarian work we do on this show. Why, you could hear your name mentioned right here, just as our newest member to the Patreon team is about to. A sincere thanks to Aaron for coming aboard and uh, putting money where our mouths are. You have our sincere gratitude, and you also have a Fusebox whiskey mug heading your way with your uh, chosen cover art emblazoned upon it as that, among many other things, are available to our Patreon members. You gotta check us out at patreon.com forward slash the Fusebox Show to unlock all the deliriousness awaiting you there. Yeah, and you get your own private Fusebox feed with all sorts of things that we do just for members. Or you can always just check out the store as well if you'd uh, prefer. Just go to thefuseboxshow.com and click the swag tab. You'll be thrilled with all the options there. Yeah, by the way, it's a spanking new design, so uh, check it out. And uh, thanks to you, friends, for uh, pushing play on this edition of the show. We do so appreciate you 
sharing your time with us and hell, share the program as well. Like it, subscribe, do all those wonderful things. You know the drill. I have been your dreaming all night of being awake all night. Host, Mark Rose saying, until our next cartoon. Fuse box.